Welcome to the Natural Running Network. My name is Richard Diaz, and what I hope to do is introduce you to some amazing athletes and luminaries from the sports science community, and what has come to be expected, I'll provide some highly opinionated rants on all aspects of endurance sports and my current favorite, obstacle course racing. Now sit tight, grab a cup of coffee, and let's do this. Okay, as promised, here we are. I have VJ in the room. Say hello, VJ. Yo, yo, I'm with it. And uh, we are going to do the traditional, first time for VJ, Black Friday giveaway. Yep, this is it. Black Friday giveaway. We're going to give away some stuff. We got some cool stuff to give away. Did you uh, manage to pull a couple things to give away, big boy? Oh, dude, I got so much stuff. There you Loaded. go. I got, there you go. I got attack fuel hydration. We got energy blocks. Venga, both the soft gels. We got the recovery balm. I mean, I don't know if I'm if I'm feeling awesome. I might just start throwing stuff that I own at people. Yeah, like your mountain bike or something like that. Just hey, maybe I'll start going it. through your drawer, old shoes and shit like that. <laughs> All right, so um, cool. But uh, and I too have a few things to give away. But before we get started with that, I've got I don't know about you, but I got this massive list of questions that I got through social media. And you know what's interesting is like the Instagram world, everybody's got this moniker, right? They don't like have their name there. So um, I'm probably gonna butcher some stuff here, but given that we're not asking for things, we're giving stuff away, they're just gonna, mm -hmm. have, to, they're gonna have to live with it, right? I mean, yeah. All right, but let me, uh, let me just kind of burn through some of these questions and we'll, we'll kind of, try to digest and then after we've digested we'll go back to the ones we really like because we've only got a, a limited amount of time to do this and um, I don't want to waste any time here so let's, do let's just do this here's a guy his name is Tragic Omik Tra Tragic Omik <laughs> all about. see what I'm talking about yeah dude here's his question I think you're gonna like this one uh, how many trainings per week should be done on obstacles and how many on basic strength, endurance, and running? So we're not going to answer that yet. We're just going to go through it. Keep okay. that in your mental database. And here I got a guy that's been following my stuff. His name is Lucas Bubb. Oh, I've, I've talked to that guy on Instagram before. Yeah, well, he's back. And here's what he <laughs> says. He says, I've been following all of your protocols about running form exactly. And I have run into some pain on the top of my feet. My feet don't hurt when running, but only hours later, or if I sit in one position for hours at a time, what is your favorite recovery technique? Stop tying your shoes so tight, bro. <laughs> We're not going to answer the questions till later. Okay. Oh, okay. All right. <clears throat> um, All right. Let's, what's the next one you think? I'm just trying to get the name right. Okay. So I'm, I'm slapping some likes on these. I'm keeping track. So whatever okay. you want. All right, all I right, got good. you. So Let's here's run. Bryn the the Sturt. <laughs> it's B R I N T H A S T E R E T. In his profile, it says his name is Landshark Mode. So we'll just call him that, Mister Land, Mister Mister Landshark Mode. I kind of like this question. I think this is a good one. 
But he says, uh, best way to strengthen the IT band to help prevent injury, like something you could incorporate into a warm up or do daily. Well, I, th I think you got, I think you got a good answer for that. I do. Oh yeah. Okay. Then we got uh, Kieran Benson. What are All some right. I ideal warm up activities, uh, or excuse me, warm up activating exercises pre speed training sessions for running, like bounding strides, etc question okay all right um and then we got uh be amazing one nine three one <laughs> the difference in training for a sprint versus beast or ultra beast oh that's a <clears throat> we can we can go into that for sure it's a ba bag of worms right there ain't it mm -hmm. okay so here we got uh jw romero and he says how should running form strategy shift due to weather i.e rainy super muddy sandy etc okay for and sure we, we got healthy healthy now california california are you seeing healthy. the same list i am you must be oh there. yeah yeah i'm checking it out okay uh, then you can read the next one so are there any drills or specific technique to minimize vertical movement while running that's a good one too cool get the next one you want to do this long one from Seth Go ahead. Jones, He's got like 45. a bunch of them, so let's just kind <clears> of... <throat> let's check it out. So he says, uh, I had a stress fracture without knowing it in my right leg. Ran on it for months with pain. Um, he got an MRI and blood work done. It was a stress fracture, no problem with his blood, I guess. Um, took eight to nine weeks off from running to let it heal. Started running again, having only 10 to 13 mile weeks for a couple months. And he's getting pain in the same area as a stress fracture, but only if I press with my finger in that same area. Sometimes the day after a run, I feel pain when walking upstairs on my toes. I, I'm still not running, but don't, but don't another stress fracture. Maybe doesn't want or doesn't <laughs> yeah. have another stress fracture. That's, that would be my bet. Yeah. Where do you think the injury could be coming from? What is the best running progression in distance recovery for building strength and bones for running? Goals are able to be able to run a mile and a half in nine minutes and four miles in 27 minutes. Okay, we're going to pass the next couple, right? Okay. Uh, because same dude, right? Well, those uh, are just, he's correcting what, what he said, like he made a mistake or something. Okay. But, um, but yeah, it, the, the only thing there is we don't know where in his leg he has the stress fracture. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I, I got that. I've already digested and we're moving on. So. Okay. Um, so we got, what's this? Mitzi Flag 1. Um, mm -hmm. So are we going to do all of them? Well, we're going to read them and we're not going to use them all. But so uh, I just want, you know, just so people know that we actually got it and we're looking at it. So, so this one says, I've always, uh, I've always been running. I'm just reading it the way it's written. Okay. However, yeah, once fair. I started following you from Yancey camp, I realized I need to make some changes in my running mechanics. The question is, is it possible to get plantar fasciitis from changing my form? And once my form gets better, it will go away, question. Of course, we'll, uh, with the help of other treatments simultaneously, I hope, it, I hope I make sense. Kind of do. You make sense. Yeah, okay. So I got I to hit this other one from the same person because I, I thought it was a good one. How young in age is appropriate for a person, teenager, to be part of your running clinics? Okay. We accept anywhere from zero 93. Don't say that. <laughs> no. Don't say that. No. Dude, come on. Are you kidding me? 
I mean, next thing you know, we've got a, a three-year-old and a 93-year-old showing up to do the clinic. The <laughs> slam ball's bigger than the kid, and the, the old man is going to have a heart. I mean, I'm an old man, too, but 93, is, that's pushing it. Yeah, I think my first clinic with you, I was 18, so yeah, that's yeah. pretty cool. And the ball was bigger than you, too. So here we go. This is uh, uh, MK Mazur. Incidentally, she's going to attend the clinic in January, so... Uh, we've talked a couple times, so I feel it's appropriate for me to look at this. So what's your advice for keeping in shape for off-season without overtraining? Some school of thought is a full eight weeks off before even thinking about building. I have the tendency to overtrain and not recover even enough, which I know is bad. Okay. Mm, okay. Let's, let, let's get you to do the next. Couple. You want to do Frankie Finn one? Hit it. All right. So we got, how do you correct? running on the outside of your foot and not pushing off your big toe. That's a good one. That's pretty cool. Yeah. There's plenty so, of people that do that. Have you decided the, which ones that you want to answer and which ones you don't? No, not yet. But I, All I, right. You know, like I say, I'm, I'm a mental grip, so I'm just kind of logging these in my brain. And I feel like we little... should, we should have like addressed maybe this beforehand, but in this works. <laughs> Let's go, man. Keep going. So, uh, all right. Uh, the buffet athlete. Ah, dude, that's a great name. Um, plants and performance. Your thoughts on the Game Changers documentary. Ah. Did you ah, watch Game Changers? I did. I didn't. Oh, well, I did. So Because I used to make funny jokes about like Arnold Schwarzenegger like making fun of vegetarians, and now he is one. So yeah. those jokes are now no longer relevant. You know, <laughs> yeah, we're going to have to touch on that one for sure. Okay, cool. Okay, so the next Slap one. Slap like. Same dude. He says, uh, how important is base building phase? How long should it be? Last, well, I should read it the way it is here. So how long should a base building phase last in a training cycle? After a certain training cycle, should I go back to another base building? That's a really good question. I'm going to be all over that. Uh, okay, here we go again. He's like, what's the concept in a reverse periodization a training cycle all right this guy's asking too many questions mm -hmm. well i think it'd be cool to address the um the base building phase I'm gonna, and how long absolutely. that should last let's do yeah. that one all right let's do that one for sure so let's okay. buzz through a couple more here i got you know we still got a bunch of them here uh so this is sarah junior seven do you feel like age is just a number when it comes to running improvements for runners and anyone who properly trains and prepares can continue to become better, faster, despite their age. I'm just going to hit this real quick because it's a quick answer. Okay. Sarah, I got to tell you, just ironically, one of my clients that I work with and have worked with regularly for the past uh, nine years turned 75 last week. And she is in my Crush the Run Ultra training program as we speak what's her name it's sarah you it's know, sarah oh yeah. it, that's right I, I was i just i didn't know if she was if she was 75 or not but that's she just turned awesome. 75 years old that's so cool and sarah you know pretty well has handled or or become a student of the art of the proper way to run and i ironically with her she didn't start running until she was older i think i met her she was, uh, she probably was like 65, 66 when I met her and had never run before. Since then, she's run 
I don't know, I think six or seven marathons. And four or five of them was Big Sur, which is a pretty hilly marathon. Mm-hmm. And sure. she's getting ready to do an ultra. So now I will say that she's kind of a unique character. I think her DNA is just pretty amazing. And she never experiences issues that put her down. So she doesn't have like a knee problem or back doesn't go out on her. No plantar fasciitis, no calf issues. She's pretty much bulletproof. I throw work at her. She does the work and gets away with it. Then on the other hand, there's me. And I, uh, I am certainly not running nearly as well as I had in my, my, my past. Mm-hmm. And certainly you're going to find that you will slow down. Sarah's not a speedster, but she can get the work done. It depends a lot on the consistency of your training. For sure. Um, I think it also depends on when you start as an athlete. Because if you, if you start later on, the first few years of you running, you're going to see a lot of improvements just because it's a new thing and your body's adapting. For someone like me, um, you know, as I get older, past a certain point, like I'm going to keep getting better and better and better but then I'm going to hit a certain age where I'm going to start getting worse and I'm never going to get back up to where I was because well, I've been I think that's, running that's, so long. You're right? assuming that. And I don't know that to be true. I, I could tell you that I've worked with people that uh, are seeing PRs in their performances over what they had at what they expected to be their peak. And it, there's so many variables that are in play here. So let's say for example, that you started out running and you, you just kind of a novice and you're just, hammering the ground and really, you know, focused on putting a ton of mileage in and never really given much consideration to the way you move and you mm-hmm. do damage. So you jack a lot of stuff up and then maybe after a while you meet somebody like me, you drink the Kool-Aid and you correct the problem and now you're getting a new lease on life. But a lot of times it's really tough to get past the damages you already created for yourself. For example, if you jack up the meniscus in your knees that's not going to grow back. <laughs> right. <laughs> if you develop arthritis in your back or you're, you jack up your hips, you tear a labrum or something like that, those are issues that aren't just not going to go away by themselves. You know, you can't wash that off. So um, the prudent thing to do as soon as possible, make sure that you get it right. So that's enough about that. Let's move on. What do we got here? We got oh. Daniel OCR Wilson. As a trail runner, how would you reduce or just avoid altogether the risk of black toenails? And oh, I, I hit, can answer hit that. that. Let's hit that real quick. Okay, so I hear this so often working in a run specialty store. Um, people come in, their toes are going numb, they have black toenails, they're, you know, they're starting to develop a bunion or something. And that comes from the sizing of your shoes or the shape of your shoes. So... A lot of people think that your toes are meant to be right at the end of the shoe, like it's meant to fit like a sock, when it is not. You usually want to have about a thumbnail with the space in front of like your longest toe because your arch is going to lengthen, your toes are going to splay out. You definitely want to make sure that you have enough space for your foot to move. When you restrict that, you start getting structural issues and a lot of people get black toenails. So that's 100% shoe sizing. And then also you can get it on the outside of your foot on like the pinky toe and stuff if a shoe is too narrow for you as well. So um, come into a run specialty shop and we'll at least get you in the right size. Just don't let them try to shove you into some stability shoe or some cushy thing. That's you why watch you come out to for me. BJ. He's all about trying to <laughs> He's just trying to get his numbers up in that store. 
All right, so uh, let's go. We got uh, CJ lives for JC. She's a homie. Yeah, you know she's her. She's a true. Hom- yeah. All right. She's a champ. Okay, so how do I become a faster, more efficient runner if most of my running needs to be done indoor on treadmill versus outdoor? Um, can I hit that real quick? Well, I mean, you you have a treadmill. You train people on it, so yeah, yeah. let's do it. Yeah. I have an amazing treadmill. Uh, okay, so I, I just let's just I like experience based information. Okay, so I know people that I work with that are landlocked relative to the environment. And for example, I've got a gentleman by the name of uh, I'm not going to use his name, should I? No, I'm not going to. But he lives up in Edmonton, Canada. And right about now, the weather is just shite, it's getting really, really <laughs> crazy cold and snowy, and it's not going to let up until probably like March. So he is on a treadmill forever. Every workout I give him, incidentally, last winter, I had him in a program where he was literally on that treadmill for the entire winter. And the long runs were exceeding two and a half hours, which is a nightmare in my mind to be on a treadmill that long. Oh, yeah. But um, he really improved dramatically. I think there's a ton of value of being able to run consistently on a treadmill. I'm not going to go into the details there, but I'll just tell you that there's some cool value there. Uh, There's some downsides. There's some upsides. But where I'm going with this is that we got him off the treadmill when the winter broke. He raced OCR, raced elite, got on the podium a few times up in Canada. Awesome. And uh, we decided to shift gears and let him run his first marathon. And his first marathon, he ran a 247. So, yeah. So his speed absolutely was spot on. He was getting faster. He was getting stronger. He wasn't facing any injuries. So don't let that treadmill scare you. Get some Netflix going or something. And on your speed days, obviously Mm -hmm. shut that off and focus. But at the end of the day, um, I think it's cool to – to go ahead and live your life on the treadmill if it's necessary. But her question is also, how do I become a faster, more efficient runner? Well, so is I there any, that, anything yeah, yeah. you so, want to touch on on yeah, that? Yeah, thanks for clearing that up for me. So the, the, the thing that I think the treadmill does well for you is really helps you to build your efficiency. And, you know, VJ can v- vouch for that because mm-hmm. he comes to see me. And our focus when he comes to see me is to get him on the treadmill and really dial in on running mechanics and work on efficiency. And, you know, you could probably touch on that for me, can't you? Yeah, for sure. I mean, um, one of my favorite things um, that we discovered, well, I guess I discovered Richard already knew about, but um, we were pre um, US National Series last year. And, you know, I, I had good fitness going into that, but I really wanted to just do some like, some cleanup on my running mechanics feel how I was moving. So we did kind of an interval based kind of workout. But what we did was, it was a between 30 seconds and a minute at a time. But I would put the treadmill to like a race pace, like a fast running pace. So we were going like, somewhere around like five flat five ten mile pace. And he set a, um, a metronome up on the side. And my goal was just to kind of get on the treadmill and match the cadence, think about my mechanics, make sure my foot strike was right. You know, I wasn't overstriding, make sure everything was running well. And 
when you set yourself to that faster pace, that race pace, but then also you have this really um, like consistent environment to work on it. Um, I, I found like my form just cleaned up really well and we ended up finding some, like I found this rhythm that really worked before uh, some of the races last year. And it, it made me run a lot faster. Like you find what works for you just specifically. So, um, well, so on that note, the, the, the thing that people keep asking, and we've kind of burned through some of these that kind of alluded to the same path or trying to find out how do I get faster? And you know, what are the tricks to getting faster and things like this? And I, I firmly believe that speed is a function of good mechanics. So think of it like a, a well-trained boxer that can stick a jab in your face very, very efficiently and hurt you versus somebody trying to slap you with a purse. <laughs> you know? So people that run badly, their force production is just off the, you know, it's just terrible. There's so much you know, weakness in their force production, they, their power is leaking terribly because they're, they're all over the ground. They're not stable when they hit the ground. So the likelihood that they're going to get a good driving force off the ground to propel themselves is, is just not there. So the path to speed is actually very much the same path to reducing injuries, which is very cool. So right. At the same time, you start to notice that you're not hurt anymore and you're starting to get faster and you're also able to put on more volume. So it all comes down to, and people, you know, it's like, I used to make jokes about, you know, when you're a hammer, everything looks like a nail. Mm -hmm. uh, and because I'm in the business of running mechanics, you would think that I'm gonna to point to that all the time. But the reason I'm into that so heavily is because I found it to be so critical. And, you, you know, VJ knows, and a lot of people that are listening to this right now know, I've traveled all over the United States and meet people from all walks of life that have attended clinics that I've done. And I get feedback from them all the time. And the people that were, you know, as we suggest, been drinking the Kool-Aid have been doing really, really well. And, you know, there's some frustrations here and there. Some people maybe don't quite have it nailed, but... Um, at the end of the day, the speed will come when you're consistent and you really drive home your running mechanics. So cool. uh, the, the next two questions I find interesting is the, the students like running with scissors. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so he says that he's got this pain behind his big toe and he wants to know how to prevent it. And then the second question is, is it practical slash safe to never take an off season when running at over marathon distances. So I, I find it ironic that those two questions kind of coincide. It sounds to yeah, me that's like funny. he's overtraining. He's beating himself up and you know it's just manifesting into issues behind his big toe. And I think the behind his big toe, what he's really talking to me about is some plantar fasciitis. And there's probably some corruptions in the way he's moving. I'm gonna go way out at a limb and assume that he's wearing puffy shoes because he's doing the long stuff and long stuff guys like to wear puffy shoes. Long yeah. stuff guys also love to never take any time off. Yeah. It's like once you start running those super long miles, it, it becomes an addiction and you just keep doing it for years and years on end, never stopping. And, and people do ultra. I know people that do like eight or 10 ultras in a year. It's just, it's crazy. But um, yeah, I, I've, I see them go for a long time and then they end up breaking down at some point and they're forced to take time off. Yeah. 
Yeah. All right. So uh, I'm looking at the clock here. We're still good. I got okay. uh, OCR Mudmaster, Larry Caldwell. The Mudmaster. Yeah. Yeah. He's been to my clinic. I think it was, it was on the East Coast somewhere. I don't remember which one it was, but uh, I want to say it was Jersey. I, I don't recall. Jersey. But anyway, his question is reinforcement of your clinic lessons has made a huge difference for me. What are your top three recommendations for post-clinic reinforcement? So what I try to do with these clinics is give people the information they need to proceed, right? So there's not mm -hmm. a magic wand. I mean, I do have a magic wand and I've used <laughs> it on a few occasions. Actually, I used it on face standing before uh, um, the, the uh, beast at Big Bear. And turned out she had the best race of her life. That, that she, I'm just quoting her. She said that was the best race of her life. Probably that's been a year or so ago. So maybe she's run better since then. But uh, I have this magic wand. And just as a joke, before she headed out to do that race, I like, you know, spun it over her head a few times. You know, there's no place like home. There's no place like home. <laughs> and uh, she had a good race. But um, so not to be ignorant about this what you want to do is remember the things that we discussed employ the information that you were given and that needs to be your mantra not just because you came out of the clinic but it should be all the time and i think that it's important to reach back to a fellow what was his name again that uh oh you knew this dude let me go back let's go ahead and answer that question uh i'm sorry we just go back. No worries. No What's worries. What's his name again? Uh, Which question? Oh, oh, Lucas Bob. Okay, so Lucas Bob said, um, pain at the top of his feet. He's been following my protocol. So the reason I, I wanted to rear back to that, and in concert with the question that I just tried to answer, another component of my response would be this. Perception is a nightmare. People think they're doing something, like, for example, in Lucas's comment, he said, exactly, he's following exactly what I taught him. Unless you have somebody watching you or you actually have a chance to see what you're doing, you may think you're doing something correct and, in fact, be doing something completely wrong or different. And when you go down that rabbit hole of assuming you've got it worked out and you are really doing something different, then you're really confused because you think you're doing everything correctly and come to find out that you're actually doing something absolutely wrong. I've had people it, commonly when I get them on the treadmill, shoot video of them, put it up on the big screen and show them that they are in fact landing on their heels and they get that trout mouth, like their jaw drops. Like, Oh man, I did not <laughs> think that would, I can't believe that, you know, I get all that kind of commentary from them because they had actually thought that they were doing the right thing. And so they cannot figure out why am I having these issues? Why, you know, I'm trying to do it right. I'm doing it right. Why am I still having these issues? All I can tell you is the little setup that we do, uh, which I think is amazing, by the way, I, I know I've said this a million times to you and some other people, mm. having that iPad set up where you get that side view and you're running and looking at yourself from the side by looking at the iPad. For sure. Set up on that, uh, on that um, podium. It's just phenomenal because you could really start to see what you're doing and if you're doing it right. Because it's not that difficult to understand what to do. It's far more difficult to make sure that you're doing it correctly. 
So check yourself before you wreck yourself. That would be my advice to both of those folks. For sure. I mean, I came from the same place. I, I remember know. the like when we first met, it was at that stadium race. And before then, I thought like, man, my mechanics are good. Like I, I got this dialed because I read, you know, I read Born to Run. Yeah. I read, you know, Pose Running and, and learned all this stuff. And I saw you standing over there and I'm like, oh, dude, I know that guy. So I like ran by like doing my warm up with like my best form. And then I ended up talking to you after the race. And I was like, yeah, there's some problems we can address. And I'm like, what? I, that was not what I was expecting. I was expecting like, you know, a rave review. Yeah. But yeah, once once we started working on things, like everything changed. So, All right. So let's talk, you know, let's kind of like dovetail away from this for a second, because okay. I want to give a plug to Venga Endurance. Okay, cool. Venga Endurance is a CBD product that I discovered, um, well, it was just uh, probably weeks before World Championships. And there's been so much scuttlebutt on, on the market about CBD products. For sure. And uh, so, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm a curious guy. I wanted to look into it, see what, what's going on. And obviously, you know, coming back from the 70s and smoking a lot of weed in the day, you know, <laughs> you know and just living in California now, it's legal. So I can even talk about it and not feel like they're going to arrest me a little later on. I was curious about the CBDs. And so what happens with CBDs, it's a cannabinoid. And a cannabinoid really helps to, I'm going to probably screw this up, but I'm going to do it anyway. Do it. Okay. Cannabinoids actually reinforce the natural endocannabinoids in our system, which do a lot of amazing things to contend with issues that the body's experiencing. So I'm trying to roundaboutly say there's more than just the fact that you are developing inflammation from work. And inflammation for most people that are doing a lot of work whether it be lifting a lot of weights or running a lot, the volume and the inflammation are the stepping stones to developing pain. Absolutely. And so managing inflammation is a big deal. So in my curiosity and my concern, knowing that CBD can contain THC. And right. if you're an athlete that's earning a living or trying to earn a living and they do drug testing and you've been ramping up on the CBD, and even though the dosage is down to 0.3%, which is acceptable levels, won't get you in trouble with a drug test. Let's just say that you double dose or triple dose, which a lot of people do because they're really trying to ramp up that effect. Mm -hmm. You get into trouble. You can get, you can get busted and find out that you, know, you didn't pass the drug test. And you got a problem. Yep. And so the other consideration is CBD typically is an oil. And a lot of people are using these CBDs as a tincture. And so they're, you know, putting droplets behind their tongue because it's supposed to get absorbed more efficiently. And right. the, the focus of doing that is because that's the best way to deliver it if you're going to deliver it. The downside is oil is not as bioavailable as a water-based product like Venga. And a lot of people doing CBDs don't even know this. Okay, so let's just say, for example, you're taking 25 milligrams of CBD and you're taking it in an oil or a tincture, well, you may only absorb like 5% of that, where with a water-based, your body is water-based, it's much more bioavailable. And you're going to find that if you take 25, you got really close to 25 being absorbed. 
So the two things that I really liked about this particular product is A, it was water-based, and B, they've subtracted THC completely from their product. So if you got into a system, by the way, I, you know, I'm not going to get drug tested because I'm not winning shit these days, <laughs> but um, I take like 50 milligrams of CBD in the gel caps before I go to bed because I sleep like a baby when I, when I take this. And, and I don't know the specifics of why I'm able to sleep so well, but I'm assuming that the, my, you know, my cortisol levels are down and I'm just getting into a nice place and I wake up pretty well. So we have CBD we have Venga Endurance CBD. It's the stuff to get, and we're going to give some of it away today. So that's my plug for it. And by the way, anybody that knows me, I don't really go out there and just, you know, carpet bag like crazy different products. <laughs> I, I got to love you if I'm going to talk about you. That's all there is to it. Yeah, man, that stuff's been a game changer. Like I was experimenting with three or four different brands of CBD before I s discovered Venga, and it was a noticeable difference almost immediately, just how fast it worked and the strength of it was amazing. So I'm taking, like, since I'm kind of mildly injured right now still, I'm, I'm taking 50 to 75 milligrams of the gel caps every day. So. Well, and I don't even know whether that's overkill. Good. It might be overkill. Well, based on their recommendations, they say um, if it's been really hard training days, you can take two. If you're trying to heal up and recover fast from an injury, you can take up to three. Okay. So or um, if you're ancient like me, <laughs> uh, I want to, I just feel like I, I did a disservice to this Mitzi flag one. Her question about the age thing, I'm sure she, she is mentioning something about her teenager. So here's my take on what's old enough to attend a clinic. And incidentally, the clinic coming up in January, we're doing, I've got a bunch of kids coming. And what do you I've mean by kids? Well, uh, teenagers. Okay. Okay. That's... So I've got uh, a guy had that reached out to me a while back. He lives, I think in the Chicago area. And he said, he's got a couple kids that are running cross country and he really feels like getting to a clinic would be beneficial for them. And I endorse that wholeheartedly. I love working with kids. I actually, do a lot of work with got some soccer players I work with that are doing an amazing job. So what I draw the line on is immaturity. Okay. If I got a kid that comes in and he's just wandering around and is mentally not in the game and really not trying to, that's a waste of time and money. You know, I'm not going to do a VO2 test on a kid that is not going to do anything with that information. That's wasting somebody's money. I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to spend a lot of time ranting about changing money mechanics and doing video analysis on somebody that just doesn't give a flip. You know, it's, that's just a waste. So if your kid is mature enough and can hang with adults and feel okay with it and is ready to go and excited about getting some work done, absolutely bring that person. Cool. All right. So um, uh, I want to buzz forward a little bit. Can't. I think we got to give away some stuff on the next question. We got to find a good question. Okay. And they should win some stuff. All right. Let's do it. I'm still going through the list. So if you decide to drop gifts on somebody, you just go for it. I got uh, MK Mazer, who's, by the way, attending my clinic coming up. And I just want to real quick. She's talking about everybody's got this off season. Can we talk about off season a little bit? Because we had a lot of that coming on here. Let's do it. And I've talked about this before. And here's my take on off seasons. If you are really competing heavily often throughout the season, been experienced some issues, maybe you're on the verge of injury, maybe you're recovering from injury, uh, maybe you're not getting the sleep you want, and you just really feel beat down, 
absolutely take some time off. And I'm suggesting maybe like, by the way, you can lose like almost all of your fitness in two weeks. From being in peak condition in two weeks, you could be flat on your butt where your fitness is concerned if you just stop. So you should always get something in your quiver in respect to activity. And it doesn't have to be specific. So like if you need a break from running, stop running, ride a bike, you know, swim, go for a walk. I don't know, just do something, go to the gym and start doing some strength training. Do something that is not so much consistent with what it is you've been doing as a competitor. I'm going to have a conversation with one of my clients in a few minutes who just did the uh, Arizona Ironman, his first one, looking at the, the times for him and the training. I know that he's had his ass handed back to him over the last six months because I've handed it to him. He's just had a lot of work to do. And I'm sure he's going to not want to see his bike, see his running shoes, or see a pool for a month. <laughs> he's probably <laughs> so over it right now. But he's going to need to stay in the game a little bit. And I think taking a little bit of a break is a good idea. How, having said that now, I know people that compete recreationally, especially in ops for course racing, where they're really not pounding it out. They're not, first of all, their volume is not that high. They might be living in the neighborhood of about 20 miles a week or something like that, running a little bit of strength training here or there, going to the obstacle gym, whatever. And they're just not doing that much work where they need a break. Right. So I think that your off season should be commensurate with the amount of work you've done. And that's a judgment call. I can't say everybody take a month off or everybody, you know, take two weeks off because everybody's not doing the same thing. Everybody's doing different things and don't get caught in that situation where somebody tells you that you need time off simply because it's off season, you know, and for us, it's wintertime, so this is typically the time of year where things slow down and you're not competing anymore. I like off-season to fix things. If you've had issues with the, the off-season or with your competition, maybe you've got this niggling little injury that doesn't want to go away. We've had some of those comments here. Absolutely, this is a brilliant time to get into making those corrections. All right, we're getting close to um, – <laughs> Well, let's, let's, we're on it. So it's this build phase, the buffet athlete. All right. I'm going to real quick get on this, and I'm definitely interested in your feedback on this. So uh, he's asking how long should the build phase be? So this sounds to me like somebody that's been following like a linear approach to training. And so periodization where there's this length of base and then progression into the intensity uh, over phases over time mm -hmm. that's that's mm -hmm. so overdone and well i mean it's withstood the test of time i mean a lot of people do it still yeah a lot of people do it because they don't know better <laughs> and, and i could promise you that there's that's referred to as linear periodization training okay you do the one thing then you do the next thing and then you do the next thing right and let me tell you something what really holds true in this is consistency. So let's just say that you took 10 weeks building your aerobic base. Right. And your focus was exclusively slowing down, laying down that uh, aerobic heart rate. And then you think, okay, I got my base built. And now I'm going to start laying down some more lactate tolerance type training. When you, when you say base, do you mean zero intensity during the week or like just no, a reduced well, percentage? Ba base training typically refers to being aerobic. 
So right. let's just say, for example, you know, based on 180 minus your age, you know, in your case, uh, that would put you at about 160 beats per minute. That's let's pretty high that, too. <laughs> well, let's, let's just, yeah, well, you're different, but let's, let's just say that uh, for most people that put them at about 150 beats per minute. And again, right. we're, we're assuming you're you know, 20 years old. Now, if you're 30 years old, that's going to put you down a little bit more uh, by 10 beats. So, you, you know, whatever that is. So it's a relatively uh, chill pace. And for some people, it feels like, oh, my God, I got to walk because they're so used to being over threshold most of the time. Mm -hmm. um, now, where I'm going with this is that if, if you felt or you went through this idea that because you developed this base, that now you have a, a hall pass and you're going to start throwing down intensity. Well, what ends up happening was when you, when you start going into the intensity pain cave, and removing the base work is you, you erase the benefits that you garnered from being aerobic all that time. Your, your body doesn't like just stack up effort. It doesn't say, okay, well, now we've got this really bitchin' aerobic base developed. Let's go ahead and start throwing the hammer down and spending the next five weeks throwing the hammer down. Because while you're doing that, you are subtracting the value and the benefits that you gain. So we've identified this long ago we say we, I'm talking about the scientific community. And what is now embraced pretty readily with professional athletes and coaches is what's referred to as nonlinear periodization, where you never depart from one uh, system and lead into another. All of this stuff is kind of molded into your daily training. Mm -hmm. And basically, basically, this is what I've done with athletes forever, is ensure that they're in and out of all of the intensities skill work engaged, hill work engaged, track work engaged, but I do it judiciously. So I want to make sure that, sure, I want to make sure that there's a nice aerobic component in, attached. And I might start to separate from that a little bit more as we get closer to race season. But all of these components are involved. There will be speed workouts in early stages of training, as there will be base workouts in later stages of training. So look into nonlinear periodization, and it will set you free. Now, do you, when you say that, do you mean that you keep the same, say, percentages of, you know, aerobic versus, um, you know, intensity training um, throughout the entirety of your training? Or well, do you, well, do you so, adjust those intensities at all? So the, the things that are going to change really are volume. So right. let's say you start out and you're running a five hours a week. I like to think in terms of time rather than right. miles. And then, you know, you're progressing. So maybe three weeks out now you're at like a five and a half, six hours or something like that. If you still maintain the same ratios and I like it, I think a real safe place to be is about 60, 20, 60, 20, 20. And I have three because one of those uh, percentages relate to skill specific work. I like people to think in terms of skill. And uh, if you spent 20% of your time dedicated exclusively to working on your skill, that is going to help both your over threshold work and your under threshold work. You're going to end up running faster. And mind you, I have plenty of support for my, my theories because I, I've worked with so many people over the years and tracked their volume and their work. I've got people in a program right now. They're starting to see big changes in their speed. And I've got them working on about a 60-20-20 ratio. Now, mind you, when we get closer to race time, we may drop the skill 
We may revisit it now and then. We may focus more time on over threshold. So maybe it comes down to like 60-40 or 60-30-10. So 30% over threshold and uh, like 60% still uh, aerobic and maybe now we're 10% skill. Um, but the big thing is learning consistency and eventually developing more volume. And, and, the, and the volume is going to be organized relative to the task. So, uh, you know, going back to that question the guy had about the, the sprint versus the ultra beast. Right. You know, clearly that's an issue of volume. You're going to have greater intensity in your training when you're going to try to do a sprint event versus doing uh, an ultra beast or a beast. You're going to want that volume. You need that volume. All right. So give something away, man. So, okay. Um, the buffet athlete, you know, he brought a good uh, question about, you know, linear periodization versus, you know, our other forms of training. What are we going to give him? Do you want to give him some Wenger or do you want to go, want me to give him something? Whatever you want to do. Well, he's a buffet athlete. I think he wants to chow. Okay. So I think he's going to need some, uh, some attack energy blocks. All he's right. going to need a pack of those. Congrats, right. buffet athlete. You just won a box of attack energy blocks. They're sweet. They're delicious. You'll probably go through them all in one sitting, but you know what? what? You deserve it. All right. There you go. Um, and while we're giving stuff away, can we go back to MK Mazur? Uh, simply because she's talking about not recovering well enough, I think she gets some Vanga. I'm going to give her some Vanga. I'm going to take care of that. I'm going to okay, actually, cool. I'm going to arrange for her to get a... Uh, a, what is it? A month supply of the uh, uh, the gel caps. What do you think? I think that'd be sweet. I almost like those better than the balm. Like I tried the balm and I loved it, but then I tried the gel caps and it changed my world. Yeah. All right. So um, let's dig a little deeper into these questions. Um, yeah, we're getting close. We're gonna we're gonna knock this out. All right. Uh, what do you think? Um, did you see the last questions we got here? From uh, Kay? Oh, uh, yeah, 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 I did. Um, let me look at it again. I'm trying to scrolling through here as we go. Where's Kay? Read it. La last question. I got it. So what cross training workouts give the best improvement in hill climbing performance? Any thoughts on that? I would say that, uh, um, you know, everyone talks about, at least when you look towards like the elite community and people that want to talk about what muscle groups and stuff help you as a great hill runner. They always talk about, you know, your posterior chain, your hamstrings and your, and your glutes and stuff. So you want to do exercises that help in that sense. So I'd say deadlifts are a huge um, exercise that helped me at just becoming a more powerful hill runner. Um, and it even helped with like my heavier carries in uh on the obstacle racing scene so like i used to suck carrying a bucket but then i became like a bucket champion when i uh, started doing deadlifts so i'd say deadlifts was a super key um exercise that i think should be in every runner's uh training routine so what do you think about that well i think you're right and uh the only caveat to that is i like as you know one-legged efforts that's true because when you do a two-legged deadlift, a lot of the load's going into your back. And 
So if I put it in percentages, it's probably like 40% in your legs, 60% in your back. And people that do deadlifts like to lift heavy. And you start throwing a lot of weight at your low back and you can go down a rabbit hole you don't want to visit. So I like uh, split squats and I like one-legged deadlifts. And you're going to find that you may not be able to lift as much weight, but because most of the load's going into your leg, uh, so let's say you got 80% of the load in your leg, but you're not using as much weight as you used to, you're still actually getting more load in your leg. So right. I, I really feel good, strongly about that. I, by the way, the workout that you and I did, or I should say I had you do, more, <laughs> uh, where you uh, were on one leg doing the deadlift and then going overhead and then having to walk with the weights overhead. Remember that? Yeah. Yeah, I do. That was, um, you made me deadlift and then clean and press it on yep. one leg. Right. And then walk with the barbell. Yeah. Right. Well, I, I gave that a name, by the way, and I've been using it with my clients. I call it the mighty stork. <laughs> the mighty stork. Yeah. All right. Because, you know, a stork's on one leg, right? So, That's right. Uh, and by the way, exactly. running mechanics, whatever it be, going uphill or otherwise, is all a function of being on one leg at a time. So doing two-legged exercises and hoping that's going to glean benefits for your uh, one-legged uh, efforts, you know, you, you could do better. All right, so uh, I want to give away a virtual gait analysis, which essentially for people that don't know what that is, is where uh, I'm going to have you do some videos, uh, very specific videos, send them to me. Once I get them, I'm going to uh, put them in my analysis software, make some notes, send them back to you. We get on the phone, Skype, whatever it might be. So anywhere in the world. And we review the video together. I tell you what it is I see, what I think needs to change. And then we discuss that at great length. And then you set about doing your homework. And then after a while, you send me some more videos. We revisit and try to see whether we made some, some, um, some changes. And, and, uh, I do a lot of that kind of work and I find it to be very beneficial, especially if you can't afford to come visit and, or you live too far away. So we're going to give one of those away. Who should get it? Do you want to give it to someone that asked a good question or someone that you think really needs it? Yes. Okay. Um, Let's see here. I mean, I'm looking Seth Jones asked a question that was he had the stress fracture and he didn't know what caused it yeah. or anything like that. Yeah, he's a good one. You think Let's, he should he needs a, a virtual gait analysis? Yeah, I think so. I think I think that we, if I can help him, that'd be great. And uh, so Seth Jones, what you need to do is you got to reach out to me and I'm going to need your email so I can send you the details on how to produce the videos and then we'll go from there. So you're a winner. By the way, that's $175 value. Anybody who's interested in having that type of service from me, they can go to my website, which is diazhumanperformance.com and you'll find it in there and just click on it and purchase it. It's 175 bucks. But can I tell you something? It's worth it. If you want to come see me privately for that kind of work, it's a considerably bit more expensive than that. And uh, anyway, for whatever it's worth. Look, uh, it was good. I think that uh, we need to shut this down now. And um, real quick, let's let's do one more. All right. Or like quick, like one minute answers. Here we go. 
I don't know how to say their name. Landshark mode, Mr. Landshark mode. Best way to strengthen the IT band to help prevent injury, something you could do to incorporate in a warm up or do daily. What do you think? Well, first of all, if your IT band's bugging, then there's something that you're doing mechanically that's causing it to happen. And so trying to go after your IT band specifically and strengthen it is just like a waste of time. Now you might wanna make sure that it's supple. You wanna make sure that you're keeping good range of motion in the IT band uh, from the hip to the knee, uh, your tensor fascia lata, all that connective tissue from the hip all the way down past the knee needs to be engaged. Uh, foam roller and things like this are really big. But I promise you, if you're just trying to strengthen it, you're going down the wrong path. You want to make sure that uh, you're not screwing it up when you land. And also make sure to roll all the muscles around that area. A lot of people will just try to roll through their IT band, just, just roll the IT band itself. And a lot of times, I mean, it's okay, but a lot of times it actually isn't going to handle your situation. So make sure to get, you know, up into the different glute muscles above and, um, that'll release a lot of the tension that you're building up there up and downstream. So the, the other point that I real quick, I want to make is that if you're in pain and you're trying to roll through pain, you're going to find that you're going to get resistance from the musculature and the connective tissue because your central nervous system's on fire. It's, it's on alarm and you're not going to get in there deep. If you're really, really, really sore, take a hot bath or something like that. Um, run some rock tape on there, leave it alone for a little while, then go after it. Don't go after it when it's really, really intense. Let's shut Sounds it down. Big guy. We got, was, uh, was, that, was that a good question? Sure. Give them something. All right. Guess what? Land shark mode. I'm going to message you, but you just want some attack fuel hydration mix. Yeah. A big old pouch, a flavor of your choice. We're going to hook so, you up. Yeah. You know what else? I think we're going to give some other stuff away, but we're just going to contact these people. Uh, after the fact, and uh, we'll let them know what they got. But we're going to give away some more Venga. I've got Venga to give away. And uh, we don't know. We might have some other stuff yet, too. So oh, There was one question that we didn't address at all. Do you want to do it? Um, you know, I don't have time. Um, all right. You go help clients become better runners. And, um, yeah, we'll, uh, we'll, well send look, out some again, more Again, if we, if we see something really cool after the fact and we want to toss something out, we'll do it. So uh, fear not, folks. You might still win. And listen, everybody have an amazing and safe Thanksgiving. Don't be afraid to have a little bit of wine. It's good for you. It's off season. And VJ, I will see you very, very soon. All right, coach. It's been fun. Well, friends, it's time to bring another show to a close. Be sure and tune in to us next week. We've got a lot of great content in store for you. I want you to tell your friends to check us out. You can always find us on Facebook. Simply go search the Natural Running Network drop us a message. I'd love to learn more about you and the things you do. And until then, you have an amazing day.